Heads up, why helmet laws should not be overlooked this summer. Howard Spiva is my guest. He is an attorney. He's been known as the kid's lawyer with a mission to prevent traumatic brain injuries in children. Mr. Spiva is the author of Winning Your Case, which helps people select a competent, honest attorney. We have a health issue that we need to talk about. It's a very important one, which is helmet safety. Welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough. And Howard Spiva, thank you for taking the time to join us tonight. I appreciate it, and I'm honored to be here. I've listened to some of your shows, and again, it's great information, and I'm glad to be a part today. I was very interested when I saw, you know, your importance of why you were looking at helmet laws, why they're so important. Let's talk about it a little bit. You obviously, I guess, have dealt with seeing the effects of head trauma and and what it can do to people. Why this particular issue, and why have you become uh, so engaged? Give you the short version. About 17 years ago, I'd been practicing about 15 years, and we were walking around the office looking at some of the client pictures and articles and verdicts and so forth. And my sister, she since passed away, she said, hey, let's get all the kid pictures together. And we ended up with about 30 or 40 pictures. And we kind of had a really life-changing moment. We realized as we talked about the kids, every one of those injuries that the children had received were preventable. And we decided that we were going to do something about it. And we went out and bought a bunch of helmets and started giving them away. And then before you knew it, it, it grew and grew. And we ended up with a board of directors and became a formal charity and got a bunch of volunteers. And it just continued to grow. And we've been spreading it across the country. And the simple answer is in about 32, 33 years of being a serious catastrophic injury lawyer, I've just seen too many injuries. And, and I want to do something to try to stop them. You know, it's interesting. I um, son's now 23, but when he was four or five, I was always one of these fanatical fathers. You know, if you ride the bike, you wear a helmet, and even in the driveway. Sure enough, he spun out, falls, hits his head. You could literally see the crack in the helmet. And you realize, oh, my gosh, you know, in the driveway, 10 feet away with mom and dad standing there, it can happen. And I think sometimes people don't realize that you really need to worry about it, especially if you're going to be on a bicycle, if you're going to be skateboarding, all those types of things that kids do, even if they're not aggressive. Absolutely. And, you know, you're right. If you look around and you go skateboards, baseball, football, karate, even motorcycles, I mean, heck, we were kids. We were too tough to wear and we thought, but, you know, now bull riders wear helmets. I'll tell you what really sunk in with me and it made with some of your listeners. The Pediatric Association and the Center for Disease Control gave me some facts that just blew me away, and that was that when bicycle helmets were mandated, that 75% of traumatic brain injuries went away and 85% of fatalities as it relates to bicycle collisions. And I'm like, wow, a plastic helmet can prevent that. And I have just seen it so many times in so many situations, kids on golf carts. And then since they mandated it for bicycles, the number one place for a child to get a brain injury now, under age five, is in a automobile wreck. And that's why they're in a child safety seat even. So it's made that much of a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the question, you know, when it comes up also, though, that I remember a few years ago, the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, um, had a terrible motorcycle accident, but he was not wearing a helmet. Yeah. And then I found out that at least in Pennsylvania, if you, I don't know what it was, if you rode a motorcycle for two years, you were grandfathered, and there was some rule he didn't have to wear it. I'm going, you got to be kidding. Like, you can get away without wearing them. My question would be, are those laws out there in a lot of places, and why? Well, I can tell you off the top of my head that uh, on motorcycles, 
Florida and South Carolina don't require helmets. I guess it's people's way of keeping the government out of their lives, and I understand that. Just like, you know, I, I promote kids wearing helmets in cars because, you know, race car drivers do. And, you know, that's part of what of our outreach program is, our Helmet for Life program. We give helmets away to kids for their life. You know, most states now mandate them on bicycles. But, you know, like I said, there's still states out there that don't even require it on motorcycles. And that's, I mean, I think that's the definition of insanity. One of the things that I always saw and, and thought was frustrating, and it, kind of the same rule as seatbelts are, we as a society, you know, as a family doctor, you know, I have patients, they come to the ICU, and often it's a motorcycle accident or something, and sadly we often have organ donation as a result of that from a young person who wasn't wearing a helmet. But sometimes people, they survive, they live long, they have all the issues associated with it. But it's also very expensive for a society to take care of all these people. And there's an obligation, sometimes you could look at it that way, to, to take care of yourself so that it doesn't become a cost to the whole society as well. Absolutely. And, you know, um, you're saying that, you know, I had a pediatrician tell me one time that if a kid comes to an emergency room, somebody somewhere dropped the ball or didn't do something they were supposed to do. And I found that that is true time after time in the cases that I've handled for kids. And I've also found that closed head injuries, because, you know, when you go to an emergency room, there's triage, they want to get you taken care of. If they find a fractured skull or subdural hematoma or whatever, they're going to take care of that. They're going to do surgery. They're going to get to the next doctor. I find that uh, closed head injuries are the most misdiagnosed injuries that exist in the emergency room. And sadly, you know, I jokingly have told my kids when they were growing up that, you know, all kids are brain damaged because they don't really develop until they're about 20 and they do questionable behavior things. And what I have found is that when a small child, you know, I've had them fall from the rails of stairs. I've had them in car wrecks, had them golf carts, those type of things. And what I find is that you don't really see the cognitive deficits in a young child until they get up old enough, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, where they start needing those skills. And that might be years after it actually happened. And, you know, it explains the behavior of kids. And a lot of times, you know, you have to get them to a neuropsychologist or a neuropsychiatrist or somebody that can do the type of testing and the pre-morbid stuff to find out that even microscopic shearing in the brain can happen. And it's really tough. And that's why I'm kind of on a mission or a quest to do what I can to get kids to protect themselves. Well, you've probably seen a lot, I know, with football. And we're starting to realize now the, the problems associated with concussion at an early age. At, you know, teen years and then and obviously in the professional ranks. But, you know, I know we always focus on the NFL. and we, But a lot of those injuries can occur when somebody's 8, 9, 10, 12 years old from getting repeated head trauma. And it isn't necessarily the big concussion. It could be just repetitive trauma. You're right about that. What I was talking about is a lot of the young kids, they don't need an executive function to be that high, so you don't even recognize it. And, and like you said, it's, it's like post-traumatic stress disorder or something. The closed head injury, just as you perfectly said, it has a cumulative effect. And so I grew up boxing and fighting full-contact karate, and I saw so much of it because, you know, back in the early days, again, just like, you know, when I was a kid, you build a wooden ramp and try to jump over a car to be evil Knievel, and we did stupid stuff like that. And, you know, back then, we didn't even wear protective headgear. And you get that repeated trauma. And with the football, also back then, most of the helmets weren't adequate. And, you know, they still say that they're not. But, you know, I don't know what we can do, absent, as some of my critics say, bubble wrap us to 
keep us from having all injuries, but it's just a, a fact. You're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough. My guest is attorney Howard Spiva. We're talking about helmet laws, head injuries. So essentially at this point, do you think we could get helmet laws to be mandatory? Is that something you mentioned the idea of people feel it's a, it might be affect their freedom or control? What are the reasons why these haven't been put into place? Well, you know, I think that people will resist it. It's like, you know, it's only been, you could count on your hand the number of years since Georgia required somebody to wear a seatbelt in a pickup truck because the farmers lobbied against it because they didn't want to keep taking it on and off to get in and out when they were out in the fields. And, you know, school buses still don't have seatbelts. So there's going to be resistance for it. I'm not really a proponent of pushing it because I don't think that necessarily writing a ticket, what we try to do, we, we go to parades, I go to churches, we go to health events, and what we do is we educate the parents on the causes of injuries, and we show kids that helmets are cool. We have police officers there on motorcycles and horses and military guys with helicopters and tanks, and then, of course, for the smaller kids, we show all the superheroes, Thor and you know everything down to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And so when kids come and, and we make them want the helmet, we put stickers on them, we paint them, whatever it takes. And I have parents tell me, yeah, my kid won't take the helmet off to get in the shower. And so that's really what I try to do is by showing the kids, you know, that helmets are something that's cool. I mean, kids think nothing about getting on a skateboard and putting on a helmet or getting on a bicycle and putting on a helmet. So I'm just trying to take it to the logical conclusion that everything that's dangerous, including getting in a car seat, and I just encourage parents to say, hey, you want to be a race car driver or a karate girl, you know, or, you know, again, whatever the superhero is that they like. I remember we have videos, our kids are like, I can't believe you did that to us, but we, when they would go sledding, they would be wearing helmets. Yeah. And they're looking like, and I said, but you don't understand. We do stories of people whose kids had hit their heads. I mean, as a physician, you see these things, and then you can't get it out of your mind. But the average person, they might not put two and two together. They might go, well, what can happen when you're sledding? They don't realize there's usually trees as you're going down hills, and you can hit your head. But it's, not, it's a thought that doesn't come up. Yeah, Sonny Bono, right? That's right. I took my family and some of my friends. We went out to Colorado snow skiing for Christmas. And that was something that just really impressed me is, you know, I had not been out there in a number of years and I never saw a helmet. And then now it's like a large majority of the people are wearing helmets on the ski bikes, snowboards, on the skis. I really liked that because, like you said, look out for that tree. Have you been successful in encouraging kids to wear them in the cars? And what age do you say they should, you should wear them to from your perspective and what you've seen? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, we buy helmets and we give them away. And we've done that by the tens of thousands. And we start all the way at infants and go on up. And, well, like I said, the number one cause of traumatic brain injuries in children under five is in car safety seats. So we definitely want to get them up to age five. Sometimes when they come to our events, we'll get them a little older. You know, you, you might even can get them up till around 10 or 11. But the only thing beyond that, it's not going to happen. And, you know, I've been doing it since 1999. When I say doing it, I've had the Justice for Children Foundation. And we've had good success. I mean, I'll tell you this. It doesn't matter how many helmets we have. We run out of them. And the kids come and, you know, we have all sorts of promotional items and and the helmets are the number one things, and we just keep stressing that. You know, like I said, we have, you know, we show them, hey, look, Batman's wearing them if they're, you know, if they're young, or Iron Man's wearing them, or, 
you know, whatever. We show them that it's a cool thing to do. So what you've essentially done is in your field, personal injury verdicts and dealing with those things, you, you've turned that also into recognizing an issue and addressing it and trying to avoid the problem in the first place, which is really commendable. I think it's a it's a great way to, you know, try and get that word out. Because I'm sure when you first started it, it probably wasn't as widely accepted in 99, 2000, 2001 as it is now. I mean, I would think, as you mentioned, more people are aware of the importance of it. Absolutely. You know, it's like I said, it was kind of profound. You know, I mean, when we were standing there in front of those pictures in 1999, I couldn't go forward without doing something. We just, I mean, we, we teared up. My wife and my sister and I were going, you know, this is crazy. I mean, the number one injury that we saw and still do is, you know, there's a car wreck. And I'm not talking about 18-wheeler crushing a car, even though, unfortunately, we have those. You know, I'm talking about car rear end, the back of the parent seat breaks. That's one of the most vulnerable things in a car wreck is the seat backs breaking. I don't know why the automobile manufacturers hadn't gotten around to making those as much as they do airbags. But anyway, and, you know, back then the back of the parent's head and now the seat rest caves in the forehead of the child if they're forward seating. And then the T-bone or the side impact, the child's head slings over and, you know, hits the window or hits the metal frame. And then, of course, you also, with any kind of the coup, contra coup, the whiplash motion, just like a shaking baby, you know, you get that slamming forward of the brain inside the skull you know, you can get it just from that whiplash motion. But when we saw that, we said, I mean, everybody has to look in their heart and decide. And I have people ask me all the time, aren't you kind of working yourself out of a job? And I'm like, hey, if there's never another brain injury child case, I'm happy because it's devastating. Yeah, it's a question I always get like, oh, yeah, you're going to hurt your business if you get people feeling better. Well, that's the whole <laughs> purpose. <laughs> I mean, if you could get that done, that's the goal. We're running out of time. I want to ask you anything I didn't ask you you think is important that we didn't bring up? Let your listeners just check out the webpage, headsandhelmet.com, and they can see when we have events and so forth. And we uh, do all sorts of fundraisings and, and have best-selling books and that sort of thing. And we just give that away. If anyone contacts us, and the book that I wrote is to help with any kind of lawyer. It's not self-serving because there's just a lot of guys out there that don't know what they're doing. But the main thing is just look out for your kids. Howard Spiva, I want to thank you for joining us on Primary Care today. It was really a pleasure having you with us. It's my pleasure. Thanks for all you do, doctor. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any of this discussion, please visit reachmd.com slash today. You can download the podcast. You can learn more about the series. Thank you for listening and being a part of the knowledge.